Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We trust. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies. And today, not only are we going to talk about Chris Richards following Tyler Adams' lead by leaving the Bundesliga to go to the Premier League and Mr. Josie Altador leaving the New England Revolution to go to Puebla and Liga MA Keys in his last gasp attempt to resuscitate his career and try to sink on the U.S. men's national team roster for the 2022 World Cup because he can clearly see there's a void we're trying to fill in the number nine spot. We're also going to be joined by a man and we're Really excited about it. He played professionally for 18 years before transi- transitioning excuse me, into one of the most well-respected coaches in all of North America, Oscar Pereja, whose team Orlando City just put a 5-1 beatdown on the New York Red Bulls in the Open Cup semifinals to book their ticket to the Open Cup final. And a final they're hosting on September 7th against USL Championship side, the Sacramento Republic, which for me makes them the favorite to win it all, not to put any pressure on They're at home. Of course they're going to be the favorite. But before I bring them on, Heath, I'm coming to you first. Why is Oscar Perea such a great coach? Uh, because he was probably the one that uh, informed the staff to trade me back in 2011 <laughs> after my 2010 season. Uh, and the that. team did fine with the team did fine without me. So that's probably why he's a great coach. No, but what what I like about uh, him and 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 I can't wait to ask him is that he transitioned from from assistant coaching to working with young players to then being a first-team coach successfully. And I think there's a real struggle for a lot of managers to go from working with young players that are generally better listeners and you're dealing with a different type of temperament than bigger egos. And his ability to transition into that world and and also coming from that playing background, I think all of that put together is what makes him such a, a, a valuable coach. And that seems like there's some sort of theme in there that I can't wait to ask him about uh, of what that is that's allowed him to transition to so many different levels and be successful. Yeah, I love that. That's some... some- that's, I mean, you have some insight, right? You've actually worked with him before. Charlie, what, what do you think from your perspective makes Oscar such a great coach? He, he understands the game. I mean, I, I have vivid memories of his FC Dallas team. And with that, with that team, he was able to bring in some incredible players and, and get them to play to, to their strengths and maximize their potential. Um, you just felt like he had – a great understanding of his team and, and the respect of his team. So for me, he, he's always been one of the, the best coaches because he, he has those relationships with, with the players. And it's, it's more, yes, it's the man management side, but he also has the, the tactical understanding of, of how to make players better within the system. Well said by both of you. So without further Freddie ado, it's time for the tale of the tape. Let's bring him on. Standing five foot eight inches tall, weighing 150 pounds, who started his career for Independiente Medellin before moving to Deportivo Cali and then making his jump to MLS in 1998, most notably with the Dallas Burn, and I wish they still had that name. He also represented Colombia 11 times during their golden era, Valderrama and Espria, amongst many others, and played in the 1991 Copa America where he scored three goals. What a beast. Now, after his career, 
started coaching with FC Dallas as an assistant. He went with the U-17s as well before getting the head coaching job in Colorado, then back to Dallas, then to Tijuana, Zolos, Cholos, and now with Orlando City. And my favorite part about him is that wherever he goes, the players love to play for him. And he always has a winning record. So let's give it up for the man that used to be called El Generalito. It's the little general, Oscar! <laughs> What's up? Uh, great to see you as always. Oh man, uh, it's it's great. I mean, it, first it's great to see you three, and <laughs> the best part of this is that uh, we're talking about soccer and all those things with people who knows what this is about, and and it's great. It's great to see here again, and and Charlie, uh, I told you before, I, it looks like I, you can cross the ball again. A thousand times, and look at Jimmy. The energy ne never, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> so good, good. Thank you for the invitation. It's nope. a pleasure and honor for me. Uh, Oscar, all Tim he had was energy because he didn't have good feet. You know, that's, no, that's why true. Uh... Also, I, I don't know if I believe that <laughs> Charlie couldn't funny. cross the ball. Charlie couldn't cross the ball to save his life. I don't know. I don't know where Oscar's coming from. What are you uh, talking no. about? Of course, I could cross the ball. And no, you can finish you, the ball. Dude. You, you were just cross. funny on the pitch, right, Jimmy? Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> well, Oscar, first, first question to me. First question to me. I have uh, you. You won the Open Cup with FC Dallas in 2016. So you have experience in winning this and now your Orlando City is in the final that you're hosting as I mentioned and you also with Orlando City got to the MLS's back final which was also in Orlando how can you lean on those experiences to help your team win their first significant trophy right yeah it has been first great to take Orlando uh, to a different uh, stage or at least just uh, make the cloud be seen by people Again, as a as a really competitor on the tournaments, being in the playoffs, uh, it has been great for the community, for for the fans. Uh, playing that MLS uh, back trophy as well, uh, despite of the challenges that we all have with all this pandemic thing. Uh, but now having the opportunity to give them the first final here in their stadium, in front of their people. Uh, in the oldest uh, competition that we have here uh, is an honor for me. I, I, I've been blessed to be here. Um, we're tremendous in special years in Dallas and also my experience in, in Mexico. But uh, these two years and a half in Orlando has been has been blessed for me. I, I've been very, very content and very happy here. Oscar, now, you've spent time at the youth level. You're widely regarded or credited for the building of the FC Dallas Academy that's now got this pipeline that seems like it's going to be never-ending. What is the biggest difference, you know, for anybody that's getting into the coaching space of, of coaching youth players or developing youth players and then what you're doing in terms of ego management, man management at the first-team level? Uh, right, certainly he did. Is is uh, there are differences there? Obviously, the ages and the emotions, the interest, the illusion of the place is is what it, it, it may come to my mind immediately. Just to see a 16 or 15 years old player that have that ambition and 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 desire to become a player, and uh, and whatever you say to him is 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 true. Uh, versus a player who has uh, played a World Cup. Uh, who has uh, hundreds of, of games, competitive games, and and you still have to convince 
this player uh, to do things in your yeah. way. Uh, there is a big gap there. There is a big difference. But I think you can fulfill that gap on all the time being transparent with them. I think you gain the respect of the players just with that transparency. Uh, obviously, be prepared. But the most important, and I know you all feel this, is uh, showing that you have been in their shoes, that you have been in the pitch, that you have you have got through that trouble, that you have or you got that problem that you solved it that that you had been in the stress that that you have suffered a, an injury that you have uh, missed a pk uh yeah. that, that that you have enjoyed a victory all these things uh probably make them trust you more than anything else uh beside that here is 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 football right it is it, trying to do our job the, the best we can when you took over your your role at Orlando City, the club was was going in the wrong direction. They they weren't competitive. There were a lot of players who were weren't sure what their future uh, held. They they weren't sure what the what direction the club was going to go into. You came in and all of a sudden transformed them into being super competitive. Like you said, you get in the playoffs, you get to the MLS's back tournament final. There's there's a a real vibe around the club now. What are you most proud of in terms of the day you walked in to up until now? Uh, Charlie, maybe maybe that uh, get that competitive spirit uh, uh, alive. You know, hey, we can we can be pro protagonists of the tournament, not just being there, not participating, but being really protagonists of any tournament that we played at. Uh, that means a lot of work. That uh, means uh, obviously make an effort on trying uh, to be sharp and 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 out scouting, trying to get together a, a good group of players. But uh, mo most important, just make the people around believe that we can do those guys that had one before. Um, it has been the passion of the people because I found here. Uh, a very passionate uh, fans. That, that's something that caught my eye in the first time, and not not even the first time I was here. But when I came to Orlando uh, to compete with Dallas, it, it was incredible. I, I felt that passion here, the diversity of the people, and uh, and and all and all, all those things just made me think that it could be real that we can do things here. And there is a long journey still in front of us. Uh, we still have to be consistent in, in our performance. Uh, it would be great to have a team that can dominate the competitions uh, the way we want it, the, uh, the way we all want it to. But so far, just making the, 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 the club and the teams be seen by the directive is, is very good. Uh, and and that, uh, that, that I have honored to be part of. Well, Oscar, let's give some context, everybody, about where Orlando sits this season, currently fifth in the Eastern Conference. I think the thing that jumps out for me the most is that you've only scored 26 goals in your 22 games throughout the regular season. Now, if we go to the Open Cup, you've won all five. You beat the Tampa Bay Rowdies first, then you beat the Philadelphia Union, very good side. Had to go to penalties to beat Inter-Miami, penalties again to beat Nashville, and then finally put the beat down 
on the New York Red Bulls. Don't you know that they have families? They have to go home and answer to their families <laughs> when you embarrass them like this, Oscar. But uh, you went down 1-0, scored five unanswered goals. It felt very, watching the game, it felt very cathartic that you just finally had that big moment. And now you're 90 minutes away from being Open Cup champions. But also, how do you think that performance against the Red Bulls helps you maybe address what's happening in the regular season, that you do have the players that can go out there and score multiple goals in a game and really, as you said before, be the protagonist in how we want to play and, and no, no matter who the opponent is. And I know you have DC United this weekend. Right, right. And, uh, the thing with Red Bull goes beyond that too, uh, Jimmy, since uh, they have they have uh, upset us too. And the prior games is, is a tremendous team and, and tremendous coach they have. Uh, has been difficult for us to face them and that probably magnified the, the victory that we had against them in this one game that means a lot for us, you know, and for them, it's going to the final. But regarding the league, uh, I think we had not been consistent. I think we, we have not been sharp either on our, our, our production offensively. Uh, those numbers that you dictate there are, are, are a concern from us. Um, this one presentation or this one performance against New York uh, surely should ignite us to do much more. That would be better. But uh, we, we, we feel, and, and always, obviously, my responsibility to get uh, that connection at front, uh, which is not easy. We, we, uh, we let Nani go, we let uh, uh, Chris Miller go, and, and, and Dick again. Uh, DK went to uh, England, and then we brought new players. It has been a challenge to have that cohesiveness, those connections. I know that connection is there. We had to find a way to to plug it in right. We showed them against New York that we can do it, but uh, but we're very conscious about knowing that we're we hadn't we haven't been the team that we should in the league yet. Oscar, you, you've obviously won a Supporters' Shield as a coach. You've won uh, an Open Cup. How do you, with your players, you have players from all over the world, different backgrounds, some coming from single-table systems, some coming from playoff system. How do you define success within your group with, with you know, and, and this, I, I think it's a general question I have for a lot of managers, is how do you define success for players? Is it, is it to make the playoffs? Is it only about trophies? You're now 90 minutes away is that a failure to fall short? I mean, how do you define success when there's so many different things in the Major League Soccer system that are that are different than, than other parts of the world? All right, good question, Head, because um, I think we all tie to uh, relate success with uh, results. Uh, it's difficult to think about not making playoffs and, 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 and describe your season as a very successful one. Uh, you have to get results in soccer and sports and the competition, especially we're professionals. Uh, we are in a first division where uh, people demanding, the fans demanding, we all want to win. So somehow you feel the responsibility to get results. But that needs to be tied to other things. Uh, the other things for me that are relevant on how you can measure your staying in a club as a, as a coach is how much you live there in terms to development players is uh, that creation of the culture in the club 
that we are assigned to do. When we're the head coaches, I think we have that responsibility to identify what is that cultural part of the team that we can base on and then make it grow into. And uh, in Dallas, we create something that it was never done before. We let uh, an academy establish a production of uh, players that were homegrown and born in the city and developed as a soccer players. And then they had the attitude and the talent to go overseas and perform and go to the national team. Those things make you feel like uh, you, you, you have a successful season on, on, on the places that you were. Here in Orlando, uh, probably the, something that we don't talk too much, but that I'm very proud of, is that we won in the first year our U17 championship in, in, in USA. For me, that was phenomenal because we didn't even have an established academy and we end up this year winning it. Uh, those things make me feel proud. And then at the end, this one will look uh, or will sound very romantic, but uh, through the years, and I'm already 54, when I found players that remember our times with joy, uh, players that have already kids and, and, and they have good stories, and they never would say that we did not work correctly in terms to the effort and the responsibility. The players that think that uh, we were transparent with them, for me, that's the major trophy. Is is the one that probably brings less money, but is the one that I like the most. Yeah, I mean, you also have to love the fact that you can develop a player like Daryl DK from college and get him to to now be a striker playing overseas in England. I mean, that doesn't off, happen often in, in Major League Soccer where players are developed in, in the right way. So when I look at your team currently, you just signed Nico Joaquini, uh, a player who has had some U.S. men's national team caps and has a lot of potential that you uh, will, will, will need to fulfill. Where do you see him on the pitch positionally and, and what what's his upside in in the short term that you've gotten to work with him and then um, at the same time you, you know you have Pato is has he uh, been playing in in positions that you have always seen or has he had to adjust considering um, the options that you have all right Charlie the Nico situation is is great for us he's an American player he can come and 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 bring new things for us is a young player, a uh, tremendous person, and I can see in his eyes that uh, um, illusion to develop here in America and, and his country, uh, be seen by the national team, because uh, I think he has the talent to do it. Has been a short period so far. Um, on, on uh, working with Nico, but uh, I can see his aggressiveness going forward, something that we need. Uh, I think uh, the versatility, Charlie, that he has, he would help us because he can play as a run wing, as a run wing, but more internal. I think he knows how to play it in between the lines. I can see him being a forward, which is or we make this situation of playing him in as a as a as an interior winger, who can who can end up in the box and give you another presence there. 
uh, with the mentality of a striker. He can play in the left because he's mobile. I can see him more in the right or even as a number nine that can come and, 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 and connect, but also have those diagonals in front and, or in the box and be in front of the wall. So I bet for a, a, a versatile player who can make a good contribution to us. And, and, and again, it's a young player, Charlie, that, that has all, all the future in front of him. And, uh, Speaking with Oscar Pereja. Sorry to interrupt you, Oscar. I just uh, wanted to give everybody a note that you're the head coach of Orlando City and you just booked a ticket to go to the Open Cup final after a big 5-1 win over the New York Red Bull. Sorry to interrupt. I was so excited to ask the question that I had to jump in there. But what we do here, Oscar, is tradition with all of our guests. You had a distinguished playing career, and as I mentioned, you represented Colombia 11 times, scoring three goals. Three goals in 11 games, not too shabby. I don't know why they didn't Copa call you America. Hey, we, we all share that. We, we played That's true. We America. all played the Copa we America. Played against Colombia. We did play against Colombia. I didn't actually, I had a great seat for that one. I didn't actually get to play, but. I got, uh, I got absolutely crushed in that game. <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy, Oscar, Jimmy, I know I... you're going to ask it. No, wait, Jimmy, before you ask that, because I, I know we're going to let him go after this. I have one more question. Can I just ask him this real question? Okay, real quick? fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Oscar, real quick. What, what team, what, what, what team do you think was better? Uh, FC Dallas 2016 or FC Dallas 2010? <laughs> 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 FC Dallas 2010. I think. Oh yeah, there we go. In 2015, is that Kenny question. Cooper? Was that Kenny uh, Cooper? No, no, that was we lost MLS Cup. It was uh, yours truly. We had um, the the better of the Ferreras, I think. Uh, Jesus's dad, <laughs> David Ferreira. We had a, re a really good team. Ended up losing in the MLS Cup final, but we set four or five records. A few of those are still sitting today, and and that was the first time we started moving some young players. We had like. Uh, Brian Leva, we had, um, I can't remember who else, but you were starting to move some of these players into the first team. But yeah, I just needed some confirmation, you know, because I, I get in a lot of <laughs> fights on Twitter with uh, fans that say, uh, you know, you're, you're, the years that you were head coaching and not with the academy were the, were the, were the better teams. No, yours, yours were a, a very special. It's, it's still just taking the club to the final and, and all those things. So, um, Ours is because we have a tremendous year on this winning the uh, the supporter shield, the, the the Open Cup, and and we were one injury uh, far from from winning because I think uh, the uh, injury of Mauro has hurt us at the end. But um, but I can and obviously I was I was more involved in that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. okay. So, so Oscar, what we like to do before he thrudely interrupted so he could flex on us, Charlie, about how great his team yeah, used course. to be. Uh, I want. I got two questions. One is, who is your favorite teammate with Colombia? Because you played with Valderrama, Freddy Rincon, Rene Higuita. Like those are some crazy, obviously amazingly talented players, but also personalities. And then, did you ever have a jersey swap where you switched jerseys with somebody? That was like your favorite player, or you got like a really big name, like a Platini or a Diego Maradona, or or any of those types of players. Um, well, the first one, and and then and then I I have the uh, I have the fortune to uh, roommate with uh, Carlos Valderrama, and wow. not just in the national team, but in Deportivo Cali that we played a GR together. And then Independiente Medellin as well. We play a year, 
and all those times uh, I, I had the opportunity to roommate with him. So uh, the experiences that uh, that he brings to you in terms of his professionalism and the way he see the game and his behavior and all those things were 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 incredible. Uh, uh, can I say? Uh, can I say really quick when that when I came into the league in 1999, I played against Carlos Valderrama. He was still Tampa Bay or Colorado at that time, and he was the best smelling player I've ever played against in my whole career. He wore so much <laughs> cologne. I was like, "Is that what you're supposed to do when you're a world class player? Is wear that much cologne?" I just couldn't understand it. Uh, you can imagine his uh, his room and his room. You, you can see, I'm not exaggerating, but you, you can see eight or ten different clones. You know? <laughs> we, were, we, we were going nowhere. We were just going to the field to train. But it, it's, it's, it's very popular <laughs> in the Colombian uh, <laughs> the Colombian players that we have are, are clones. One, two. But when you go to the national team, this is an, ex, it's an expression of who can have more. Carlos have like a <laughs> ten. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. It's true. And uh, well, I have I have one. Um, I, I have one a jersey that I, I remember. Uh, did you remember George Kife? Oh yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one who, who used to play. <laughs> that one amazing player. I I remember him. I trade a, a jersey with him. And another one that I I have in a special place is that Risto Soiko when he oh, plays. Wow. These, these are yeah, these are these are these are big names. These are big names. Yeah, these are big uh, ones. With Risto, because he, he came from that World Cup and, and then he came to our league. Uh and he was leading that Chicago with that personality. And then we established a good relationship uh of the field with a guy that I didn't not even imagine how humble and how how real and, and, and like us, you know, it was one of us. That's that's what yeah, I thought. Yeah. I, said. I thought that you were from other planets, and then he was one <laughs> of us. It was so I I I, I remember that one with with hey, a lot of love. You know what's funny is you you talk about Valderrama um, smelling so good. I remember the first time I saw Stoichkov when he came. He was in Chicago. It was a preseason. And it was in Bradenton, and he was wearing the sleeveless, and he had his shorts rolled all the way up like a diaper, and his body was covered in tanning oil. And I'm not talking about, like, sunblock. I'm talking about you could see your reflection off of his skin. He was out there, casual, and tanning. He was, he was at training to get tan. Like, I've never seen so much, like, baby oil on somebody uh, as I saw it the first time I saw him in person. <laughs> I, I can I can see that from Bristol. I can see that. Right. You, uh, I'm, I'm still I'm still waiting for you to sign some big Colombians. That 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 um, uh, Chicago team was was incredible. Peter Nowak and was amazing. Oh, yeah. right? Those yeah. those times. Oscar, uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for you to sign a big Colombian. When 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 are you getting when, the when's Duban Zapata showing up? Yeah. 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 When, no. when is this coming to Orlando? <laughs> I know you know that uh, I receive a lot of messages from Colombians saying, "Oscar, you don't like Colombians or what?" <laughs> <laughs> and I have good, I had uh, a good relation with James, with with Falcao. Falcao wanted so bad to come to Orlando too, but we couldn't do it. 
and then and then there's a couple ones that are big names right now that they, they ask me, Oscar, but you know that the challenges in in in, in, uh, in the caps are not as easy as they think, you know. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, but but now we we had we we had had a good ones too. Uh, Fabian Castillo, I thought he had a, a great performance. Oh, he was, yeah, he was right. Uh, Barrios as well, he did good. Now uh, we we have Andres here, a young a young uh, player that has been a national uh, USA already. So yeah, yeah but you're right. Yeah, it, it's yeah, about Juan Cuadrado will be fine next when you, when yeah. you make that signing. Oh, that'll be, <laughs> that'll okay. be a nice one. Oscar, thank you, thank you so much for your time. Oscar Perea, head coach of Orlando City. Good Wish luck against best. DC United this weekend. I don't know if you need luck against I'll DC see you, United. I'll see you they're next not very week. good. And good luck yeah. September seventh in the U.S. Open Cup final against the Sac Republic. Let's give it up for Oscar Perea. Well, we appreciate you, you. Best of luck to your team, Charlie. Oscar oh, Perea just got, got cut off. Oh, Charlie, who's going to give you a – who's going to – I don't – you know what? Who's I don't have any time for more Charlie love from Oscar. Alex just no. cut yeah. him out real quick. No, oh, no, yeah. No. All right, everybody. We're yeah. going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to talk about some transfer news for some key players for the U.S. men's national team. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies. And that was awesome. I want to give it up again to Oscar Perea, the head coach of Orlando City, for spending some time with us today. And guys, I really enjoyed his stories. I feel like we should have got there first. I mean, just hearing about Valderrama and Stoichkov and Jorkaev and all these little things. But uh, obviously, we want to talk about the well, club. He's, he's actually going to do doing. more at the end until you cut him off. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Jimmy he only cut him off so four times today. Yeah. Oh, no, I was like, hey, just I actually know we're talking to Oscar Perea of Orlando City. And he was like, yeah, oh. I know. I thought he, I thought he gave a dramatic pause. And I he thought did. He, he did talking. give a dramatic pause. Jimmy. I was, I'll give you I was, I'll I was, listen, you I, I, I apologize to him right now publicly. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off <laughs> like that. Also, I got to let everybody know we're a nominee for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Vote for In Soccer We Trust at podcastawards.com. Slash app slash sign up and then toggle down to the best podcast because we are we know you're we are your favorites and uh, that would be awesome. We want to win another trophy and have one in our cabinet. We didn't win enough trophies in our career. All right, boys, we have some transfer news to get into. Let's do it. We have Matthew Hoppy potentially going to Middlesbrough. We have Josie Altidore going to Puebla. 
in Liga MA Keys, which is interesting because I think that's where Hercules Gomez went and did well and then made the 2010 World Cup team. And then that's where DeMarcus Beasley went to kind of get his career revitalized. And he made uh, the World Cup team in 2014. And now maybe it's Josie's turn. I see what he's trying to do here. And I respect that that's where he's going. And they got a, a young coach that's got some good ideas that I think hopefully can get the best out of Josie as he makes that last ditch effort to get on and sneak on to the World Cup roster in 2022. And then we got Chris Richards been confirmed going to Crystal Palace. Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you first. I don't know which one of the three you want to start with, but we'll obviously talk about all of them. Let's start with Josie off the door. Oh, let's get into it. Also, you know, his, well, this is his last opportunity, right? He he needed to make this move because he was not going to get playing time with the Revolution. The playing time that you would expect if you were to make a move from Toronto to try and get on the U.S. national team. The, the New England Revolution, which I, I wish we got a, another opportunity to ask Oscar, what what would he think this move would do for Josie Altidore, having coached mm-hmm. for in, in Liga and Mickey's, and, and what, what could people expect? Um, but they have Gustavo Bo, and they just signed Giacomo Vrioni. So you, you have two DP strikers. Josie was not going to play unless there was an injury. And then the times that Josie did play, he didn't he didn't inspire he didn't inspire, uh, you know, Bruce Arena to say, actually, I don't need to to sign a striker. And, and he's scoring goals and making runs. So there's two sides of the coin. One, you know, you as a player, you're not getting the, the proper chances. I'm desperate to move because I need to play. And I got to give myself one last opportunity. So in the league, probably wasn't going to happen. Out of the league, Liga Mekis, perfect opportunity for him to go and, and tear the league up. And if he is moving, if he does score, then he's going to be back in the picture. On, on the flip side, um, you you look at what Bruce Arena did, and it's like, all right, uh, maybe I can make a move to address some needs in, within the team if if Josie um, takes a loan uh, for out for the rest of the year. Okay, so the last time he represented the U.S. Heath was in 2019, the Gold Cup. He had one goal in that competition. He actually had a really good chance against Mexico in the final, and he has not been called in since that's the last time he has been a part of the team but that was time with Greg Berhalter and uh, we discuss you know it's harder to create opportunities and he did find himself in good spots when we had Hector Moreno on uh, Mexican international he said the hardest player for him to play against from the U.S. was Josie Altidore he's only 32 years old so do you think he does have an outside chance I know we talked about it on yesterday's podcast how many goals do you think he'd have to score in the next five months for him to actually be considered for it. But if he comes in and he's looking fresh and he's being the force that we know that he can be, and he's playing better than the other people he'd be competing against at the number nine spot, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he could be called in by Greg. Yeah, it's inter- It's an interesting time because he definitely has age on his side, uh, though he's got a lot of miles, I'm sure, on his on his body. So he's not old uh, for the internet. He's, he's older than this team is. But when I think about Josie, I think about this being an opportunity and, and I can, I, I, I'm not Josie. My career was completely different, but when I had, and I didn't get a chance to ask Oscar this either, why, why they offered me such a crap deal uh, when they took my rights in, in the, uh, <laughs> draft. Still uh, really holding uh, on to this. Uh, like, uh, I ended up going to, to Gotham. I ended up going to Gotham. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, I basically looked at it as, as a final chance for me personally, right? I had had a hip surgery. I had a, a leg break. I had all these things that I was like, try, my body w- just wasn't settling in. I was like, like, this is my last run. And it wasn't about whether or not I could play another five, six years. I knew I could do that. There's plenty of clubs and plenty of teams to make a good living playing playing soccer. For me was, 
could I get to the international level again? Like, and it wasn't about whether I made whether whether Jurgen called me in or not. It was about getting to that level where you're playing naturally, you're playing out of speed, you're playing out of an intensity that you know is required to play at the national team level. And I think this move for Josie is a chance for him to be hungry. And Josie hasn't had to be hungry since he got to Toronto. He was successful in Toronto, but he didn't have to be hungry in Toronto. And then he gets to New England, and you've got sort of that mix of like establishment with Bruce, and you're coming into a team, and you're you're a, you're a legend in North America, and still didn't necessarily have to be hungry. Now Josie's way outside of that, right? Nobody cares about Josie at Puebla, and that's a great opportunity to try to channel or harness or dig deeper into something that perhaps he hasn't had to or thought he was doing in his other environments. And I, I really like the, the chance of it there. It's not so much to me about, about goals. If you're Greg Berhalter, you're watching every game Josie plays, right? Just to see, can he flip that switch back on? Because yeah, the Josie that we know fire. now isn't, is yeah. Does he have that fire? Is he hungry? Is there, is there a, a speed and intensity to his game that, that he's tapping back into uh, that, that will dictate that? Yeah. He does need to score goals as well to, to be able to get back into the national team. But there's something about Josie that if he can get to that, that automatically puts him back in just because of the desperation I think we have at the number nine spot. I would say the hold-up play, too, is super important. And uh, resident number nine, Charlie Davies, can, can follow up on this. Because when we look back at the 2018 World Cup, Olivier Giroud didn't score for France, but he was pivotal. He in, in, and helping the – yeah, of course. Well, that makes a big difference. You got Dembele on the other side and Griezmann and all these other guys. Of course, world-class players. But there's something about that hold-up play that allows those guys mm -hmm. to get the ball – 15, 20 yards higher up the field. So they don't get tackled. They don't get slowed down in the middle block. They actually get the ball. And it looks like they, with some space to run at players in the attacking third, which defenders have to defend different when you're in and around the box. And so you have to make your, your choices uh, and, and risk in, in determining whether you want to make that tackle, try to run with them. And, and obviously that's going to play for an Mbappe and Dembele in a positive way. But it's not to say that our guys can't team away. I would definitely benefit from picking the ball up higher. Pulisic, Reyna, Aronson, whoever it is. So that hold-up play is going to be really important. Another thing, too. He's also excellent at kind of running off the shoulder. If he gets an edge on you as a center back, you're not getting it. The dude's a brick house. You know, he's so strong. He can hold off the ball. And that's why Hector Moreno said what he said. Because once he gets you in that space and can roll you, you're in trouble. So it's just a matter of where he picks up the ball and the decisions he makes once he gets it, how he brings other players into the play. So, yes, goals are important, of course. They're going to be the, the end product of what he's doing. But I think there's all these little things that can help. Our national he's got to be able to run too. He's got to be That's able to true. run. That's true. Yeah, I mean, he's got you got to run the channel. He wants to be able to press. I don't think they've been great at press. I'm talking about even defensively. Like you got to be willing to be that first man in a press. Like no, make that I, game. I, I, is he fit enough, people. Charlie? You saw with the Revolution. I don't know. If yeah, fit I, I would say I would say with the revs, he he checks too much to the ball, and he 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 also comes out to the wide areas. And you, if you're playing as a lone striker, you better be in the box and just stay in the box, stay central, and if you're going to make runs, make runs into the channel to stretch the field. Don't bring more uh, defenders into the middle of the field, especially against this U.S. side. They need space. Right. So with Christian Pulisic, with Gio Reyna and T Timo Weah and Brendan Aronson and Yunus Musa, that nine needs to be able to create space, but also to be able to hold up the ball. So both of those qualities he can do. We've seen him hold it up. But as of late, he hasn't made those runs in behind. He hasn't. When you, when you talk about how many sprints are you making per 45, per 90, those numbers have not been great for Josie. And yes. You think you that's know, irreparable, at, though? Like, do you think that do you think that's a mentality thing? Because we all know, like, as we get older, I, I think you want it's a, a little I think more it's more balls to your feet than you want in the space. 
Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's physical and sometimes it's just sort of being like, I'm not going to make that run because I'm not going to get the ball. <laughs> I um, did that for 10 years. Why do I have to no, do that yeah. anymore? <laughs> I, I, I think it's one of those things where once you're – the focus is about your runs in behind and that's what they're asking you to do and it, and your success is based off of that, then that, may, that makes you switch. You might have gotten out of that because you're, you know, you're bigger in size. You like to hold up players. You like to play, you know, tiki taka because you have good feet. But ultimately, no, you got it. You're the nine. Get back to doing what you did as as a young number nine for the U.S. Men's National Team, which is just making runs. And I always talk about the fire. You know it when you watch a player when they are not going to lose no matter what because they are. It is evident that they're emptying the tank. They're doing everything in their power to work for the team. When's the last time that you've seen, you've seen that from Josie, like the, the young Josie, when he was just all over the place and running and you could feel that force to now it's kind of, you know, I run here and there, but it's not continuous. You're not seeing it at all, you know, throughout every minute of, of the match when he's on the field. So I, I know this is desperation time. This is the moment. Do you really want it? Because if you do, it'll show. And if and if and if you and it shows, you're going to have success in Liga Emekis, and that's without a doubt. Do you think? And this, Heath, I'll throw it to you and anybody else listening. Follow us on Twitter, ISWT Pod. If you're listening and, and not watching live on YouTube, throw it in the comments. If you are on YouTube, do you think the experience factor? potentially plays into what Josie can provide to the team because he played in the 2010 and 2014 World Cup, even though he got hurt against Ghana in that first game. Do you think that because our team is going to be so young, we're looking to be the youngest team on average at this upcoming World Cup. We only have DeAndre Yedlin. He's still a bit on the bubble at the right back spot. Do you think there is some room to have that experience? And would he accept that role to be kind of a He's not going to be – he might be the guy. I don't know if he blows up. But but if he's not, would he accept that role of kind of being a good cheerleader and getting the most out of the guys around him? I mean, I, I don't I don't know if Josie's <laughs> Charlie, you can jump in afterwards. <laughs> or, or, or attitude is the right leader you want in the team. I'm not saying it's a bad attitude. But if you were talking about pick a, somebody in their late 20s to early, early 30s that has the experience of World Cups, that has done it before, that can automatically step in – um, into a situation. I, th- I think about Chiellini's interviews since he's gone to LAFC of just like this natural instinct to lead and just make it not about you and make it about others. There's there's some natural abilities in that. And I don't know if Josie's in that point in his career to really transition his mindset into being that that teacher, that leader, that mentor, like mentor that sets yeah. the tone yeah. of like when you show up, how you show up, how you train every day. Um, maybe I could be wrong. I haven't been around Josie in a long time. Charlie's around him quite a bit. Um, and so would, would love, no, I, would love his take on it, but that's not what I would bring him for. No, I, I would say regardless of how Josie is as a leader, Greg Berhalter has made it known world cup experience means nothing with this group. This is a group that's learning as they go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was evident when you look at the roster selection, every world cup qualifying match. And, and basically since he's taken over, he said, we're going in this direction. We're going with youth where the plan is, Yes, we got to qualify for this World Cup, but ultimately we're looking at 2026. So experience to him is overrated. So that it literally means nothing. It depends on how you how you deliver. What what is your production with this team? On top of yeah, you got to be a good teammate if you're not playing. You know, if you got to be happy with my decisions, and if you're not playing, and you know you're 
coming along for, for the ride, what, what, what value do you add to the team? So for Josie, I think it's, it's pretty simple. You got to produce, you got to score and you got to work if you want to make that team. But the opportunity is there. It's not that if he goes to Mexico and he scores 15 goals, he's not he's not going to get on that plane. He'll get on that plane if he wants to get on that plane. And the only way he's going to get on that plane is if he scores and and works. That's uh seems like something he hasn't shown at least with the New England Revolution so far. So we'll see if he can get that ignited here with Puebla. We'll obviously have eyes on that. Another striker though for us or a winger slash striker, Matthew Hoppy is also looking to make a move to kind of resuscitate his hopes of getting on this U.S. Men's National Team World Cup roster. Now, the 21-year-old two seasons ago kind of blew up out of nowhere. For Schalke, he scored five goals in his first seven appearances and then went on to have six strikes in total over the 22 games in that season. Schalke gets relegated. He moves to Mallorca to play for Steve Nash and Stu Holden's team over in La Liga. And everybody thought, all right, he had an assist early. I think that was his only goal contribution that whole season. He only appeared seven times, had that one assist, never, ever scored. And now he's looking to make a move to the championship with Middlesbrough. Heath, I'll come to you on this. Now, Middlesbrough, we're finishing in seventh in the championship, just one spot shy of the top six to get into the playoffs, to potentially get promoted into the Premier League. They were the lowest scoring of the top seven teams. They were the lowest scoring of that. So Matthew Hoppy could come into a team that could use what he brings to the table. We've obviously seen him at the Gold Cup. He's got a little swagger to him, a little of that Clint, Clint Dempsey attitude, like just give me the ball and I'll figure it out kind of stuff. And, and I think we all were drawn to that a little bit. But it hasn't really translated to him doing anything with his club. Maybe that attitude works against him with certain coaches. We've seen him talk back to Greg Berhalter before during a game when he got subbed out. You know, that's in the heat of the moment. And Greg, I think, handled it professionally and moved on from that. But we haven't really seen him with the national team since that incident, not really in a meaningful way. What do you make of Matthew Hoppy? And do you think he has any chance at this point? Yeah, I mean, he was injured for like half of last season. So it wasn't necessarily just performance based. But when he did get his chances, not a lot came of it. We obviously got excited. I think he scored against Real Madrid or something like that uh, last year. And we got our hopes up. But he's one that I, I worry about. I do like Middlesbrough just because... When I think about players in our national team pool that would do well in the championship, him and Daryl DK are probably the two that come to mind that can thrive in, in chaotic moments, that can use athleticism and, and size and speed to, to, to be impactful because he's not a, a super polished product yet. He, he's good at stretching the field, running. And in the championship, you, you get opportunities like that, and that can play to your, to your advantages. What I worry about for him is that he's got like 25 professional games. Right When he was 19 and he came on the scene at Schalke, he came out of Schalke's second team, great, you're 19. But now you're 21. And now you've missed a, basically a year and a year in, a year in change of, 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 of development as, as a player of getting crucial minutes. Now, we still don't know what kind of player he is. He's got, what, five, six, seven, I don't know, under 10 caps with the national team. Six caps, six caps. We, we, see, a lot of, we see a lot of potential in him. You see a lot of that uh, that that urgency to go forward run at players i like that he faces up and goes at players i like that confidence but he's also again where this window gets shorter and shorter from being a young teenager to now being like well now you got to play and so you go here and you don't play then we're going to start writing him off uh in, in a lot of ways because these are crucial moments of development that maybe again middlesbrough maybe the right club maybe there's an instant need and he's going to play right away which if he does perfect i think the league and and the team is the right size for him but I also think perhaps is there is there is there another move out there for him where he can get minutes that, that's not La Liga that might be Belgium or might be uh, Holland or it might be somewhere else where he can 
have a little bit better of a chance. You still got to perform regardless of where you go, but to get real professional minutes and repetition to develop him as a player versus being this peaking hype that that lasted two months and we all hyped him. And then now we've lost a year of time that could continue on if he doesn't play at Middlesbrough. Well, if he does end up going to Burrow, Zach Steffen is there. So at least he'll have a national team teammate to ease the transition, as it were. I don't think you'd struggle with that, but it's always nice to see a friendly face in the changing room. Now, what are your thoughts on Matthew Hoppy, Charlie Davies? I'm leaning towards, I don't think he, unless he goes to that team and, and blows up, very similar to what we're saying about Josie or any of our number nines, who's going to blow up and step up? You know, then I don't really see him having much of a chance. It feels like he's just too far off the radar at this point. Well, I think that's the best part about the nine for the use right now. Every, any, every, anybody is has a chance because, no, you know, Jesus Ferra is still balling. He's still doing his thing, which you, you love to see. Um, so he he is the number one striker at the moment, and no no one's even close. Ricardo Pepe's going to be in the picture. He'll be in the squad. Whether he's going to be playing or not, I think that remains to be seen depending on – how well his form is and the start of the, uh, to his year in the Bundesliga. But I think outside of those two, it is completely wide open. It is open. And whoever is in form will get called into camp for the World Cup camp. And then to make the 26, I mean, you're probably going to add an extra two strikers or so just because you you can. And because the, the production hasn't been stellar on the international uh, level, yeah, you have to have options. So I think that that plays right into the U.S.'s hands in terms of, you know, and every, every, everywhere else you feel pretty good, maybe outside of center back. But um, you'll have a number of options come come the nine. You just you got to wait and see who gets hot. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting and obviously a drama that we're going to be following quite closely. Now let's talk about Chris Richards, who, mm-hmm. like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, followed Tyler Adams's lead by leaving the Bundesliga to go to Crystal Palace in the Premier League, which uh, that's not where Tyler Adams when he went to Leeds. I didn't set that up right. But he still made a jump from the Bundesliga to the Premier League. And now I'm seeing articles that are saying he might start, Chris Richards, he might start the first game of the season, Heath, against your Arsenal. That would be pretty incredible for Patrick Vieira to give him that type of trust so close because the season starts, that first game against Arsenal is August 6th. We're almost there. Yeah, I mean... Got to test him. What I like about what I do like about his move is that it's a five-year deal, uh, from what I understand, and that's a commitment to a player, right? It's not a two years, hope for the best type of thing, which means Chris Richards is putting his career uh, potentially above the national team at the moment, his career trajectory, knowing that if it plays out the way he wants, he's going to go to twenty twenty-two, but he's also now got this place that's he's going to call home for for the foreseeable future where he can focus on his development and maybe it is 26 where he really blossoms maybe he doesn't get the run initially but he's like you said Jimmy he's he's putting himself to a test he's now in in, in a situation where he's competing with two other national team level center backs and could be starting and and that's what we want we want to see that play out but I do like the term length of his contract and and what that means it's a trust in the player from from Palace but it's also an opportunity for him to to settle in somewhere for the first step of his professional career, right? Because he was a lone player out of Bayern Munich, was never really going to fit into Bayern Munich's team, at least at the trajectory he was on or the, the pace that he was developing. And now it's an opportunity to say, okay, this is home. This is the future. I've got to establish myself. And the fact that he's being considered means that it's a serious uh, a serious signing for Crystal Palace and not just like uh, a moonshot or a hope for a best situation. 
Charlie, I'm going to be honest with you and everybody else and Heath and everybody listening. Uh, I'm a little nervous. Uh, Arsenal's looked pretty good this preseason. Gabriel Jesus has been on fire. I don't know if I want to see him play against Arsenal at first game of the season. Let's, let's ease him into it, baby. He's got a five-year deal, you know, but no. do you think it's worth the risk? Do you think he yeah. made the right decision by jumping to the Premier League and having to compete for his spot? I mean, I like all of the reasons why you would do it in general, but you take a risk ahead of a World Cup knowing if I don't get those minutes, I might not be the guy come World Cup time. If you have those thoughts, then you, uh, in my opinion, you shouldn't be on the U.S. men's national team. That's fair. You have to believe in yourself and you put yourself in the best position to be the best version of yourself. He's doing that with Patrick Vieira. So it's not just I'm going to the Premier League to go to the Premier League. I'm going to a, a club that values me where I see my development continuing under an incredible manager in, in Patrick Vieira. It's a it's a no-brainer. So I'm glad that he took that opportunity and, and he's ready to, to embrace the challenge because you, you have to. And you have to bet on yourself instead of saying, oh, let me go to the championship or let me go to a lower league and, and where I can just you know bet on myself for two years and then and then try and make a move. I, I love this. So well, well done, Chris Richards. I'm, I'm excited to see how he performs and how he transitions. Into you're obviously team, not, obviously. Jimmy. You're obviously not no, excited. No, no. You're I obviously, just, you obviously just, don't like Chris Richards. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I just wanted to play devil's advocate because I think there's an argument to be made to find a situation where you're going to get a whole bunch of minutes and you're going to be maybe a little bit sharper it's, leading into a hey, World Cup. It is hard, man. I, it is hard. It's hard it, what, what, from a wage standpoint. And, and again, the three of us have all been through it. You got 20 clubs that you're hearing about from your agent. Five of them might be legitimate. One of them might actually happen. Maybe one happens, right? If right. you're if you're a goal scorer, it's it's a lot better chances. Charlie had options, but like when you're a center back, you're a little bit unproven. Somebody's buying you on potential. Like you're just looking for anybody to give you a chance that's at a level that you think you can compete at, mixed with like the package that you want, the contract length that you want. Like it's hard to bring all that together um, versus thinking that like. Chris Richards just gets to look at some sort of menu and like pick like, oh, this is where I want to go. It's just there's so many good players in Europe and there's so many good teams that and and budgets and all those things that it's a really complicated process that to land in something like this where he's got a chance to play, I think is a, a pretty good landing spot compared to what it used to be 10 years ago, where if you didn't play in the Premier League, you were, you were just like, maybe you go back to MLS or, you know, maybe like there was no respect for an American player. If you didn't play somewhere, it was hard to land somewhere else. No, no, I, I, I do like the move overall. I think that when you think about the Premier League and when I think about Crystal Palace, who finished 10th last season, they're the upside of Crystal Palace. They're young, they're vibrant. They have one of the best academies in all of England. And it just might be a great fit for him. The fact that they signed a five-year deal to what you'd said before gives them some time to develop, that they can be patient with him. It's not like he has to play well. I think if you get signed at 28, 29, they insert you into the team. And you got to show up and perform right away. But because he's got a little youth, doesn't have as much experience, I, I think that bodes well. And I think he'll be surrounded by players that are kind of in the same point in their lives. You and you, all, all of us have been in situations where when I first started in MLS, I had a bunch of old guys around me and I didn't necessarily fit in with them. And I never felt maybe accepted in that same way. But then once uh, the older guys moved on and we had some younger guys in, it just felt like the, the collective uh, energy was better as to we're all in this together and it didn't necessarily feel that way uh at, at that particular time we can dive into that at, at another point we've had a great week here at in soccer we trust i'm gonna give some final thoughts charlie you're gonna go first any final thoughts for this whole week a shout out to oscar perea again orlando city coach from coming on after his big big win in the open cup semifinals to book their ticket to the final that's happening on september 7th against the sac republic make sure you make some time for that final thoughts starting with you charlie 
My final thought is uh, Oscar Oscar Perez is a legend. I uh, love the the Valderrama uh, Cologne stories um, <laughs> and, and just what he's he's trying to build in Orlando. And uh, yeah, uh, let's let's get going. I'm, I'm excited for for this weekend. The Revs taking on Toronto FC. So Bernardeski and Insigne, Michael Bradley. It looks like he's re, re, reimagined him. He wants to get called back called. in. Michael Bradley, oh, put yes, the numbers up. Yes. Want to get so, called back in? Yeah. Uh, um, that's that's all I got. All right, Heath. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to all of our uh, viewers and listeners. You know, we we appreciate all of you. This community continues to grow, and it makes these conversations fun. And I also want them to all throw into the comments wherever you get these that Charlie should get to do the uh, the intro and the uh, the outro uh, of things because I know he's chomping at the bit to take that job from Jimmy, and I just want Charlie to have a trial one time to just throw the "What's up, guys?" Uh, what is up, everyone? It's it's Jimmy Cream Cheese <laughs> exactly. Conrad, Chuck yeah. Wagon. Okay, no, let's let's let, you let's, let's a create a vote, Jimmy, so people can do it. So no, I, no, I, you no, know, let's vote Charlie in. Any votes. It's my job. You know what? It's also my job to end the show. Thank you for watching In Soccer We Trust. Thank you for listening as well. We appreciate your support. I'm going to echo the sentiments of Hollywood Heath Pierce. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon, Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad. Saying thank you for watching. Three amazing shows this week, and we got three more for you coming next week. So we'll see you then. Later.